Good morning. The Lord's grace and peace be unto you this morning. There is one thing, I've appreciated the uh, service so far this morning, but there's one thing, Owen said there's a lot of things we hang on to that we hope, but there's one thing that we know for sure, if you're not saved, you better get saved. You can turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm here by myself this morning. Um, Yeah, my family's home. They're sick. And only I have escaped to tell you. That's how it feels sometimes as a young family. I know you guys understand. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and we're going to go down through this chapter this morning. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So this is Peter's opening statement um, for his book. It's his introduction. He introduces himself. He describes his audience, which would be anyone who is a believer. It's to them that have obtained like precious faith. And he blesses them and encourages them by reminding them of the glory that comes from being a child of God, from being a believer. And we have grace and peace with God as a result of our belief in him. And through our belief in him, he has given everything that we need to live a godly life and have life eternal. And through our belief in him, he has also given us promises, and not just promises, but great and precious promises. Through the promises that, uh, or through that, uh, sorry, let me back up here. In, In thinking of what these promises is, it doesn't list them, but one of them is that our sins are forgiven when we repent. Another is life eternal. And through these promises, we can escape the corruption that we carry as a result of sin and begin to put on the divine nature of God. You know, one one day we will not have our sin nature anymore, but until then, it's a process and we put on the divine nature of God. Verse the end of verse 4, or I'll just read the whole thing. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, but that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And you look at the contrast there. One side, we're putting on the divine nature of God. The other side, we are um, escaping the corruption that is in the world. So, um, to summarize this opening part, uh, because of, of our belief in God, we have grace. Uh, we have grace from Him, and we have peace with Him. 
He has given us everything we need to live a godly life. He has given us promises like life eternal. He promised us forgiveness of sin, and he helps us to put on his divine nature. Let's keep reading in verse chapter or uh, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the divine nature that we're supposed to put on. And if we do these things, in verse 8, if you do these things, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you will be full of fruit as a result of our knowledge or our belief in Christ. If we are a believer, we we live, or we, it it says in knowledge, in knowledge of Christ. Um, Like in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. Or, And it's not just knowing God's there, but it's it's standing in that knowledge or living out of that knowledge Um, to exist in the knowledge of Christ. It's basically a, a faith in God. And if we do these things, we will be fruitful as we are in that knowledge. And I think the difference here is you could say that you would have a fruitful Christian, a Christian who is living out what God has called them to do, and you might have a believer that's not fruitful, that's not, um, not putting on the character of God. And uh, Peter's saying that that's not good. It's a, it's a dangerous place to be, to be an, an unfruitful Christian. And if there's no fruit, is there any faith? Something to think about. If there's no fruit, then the, does the knowledge of God actually exist, or the belief of God? And, yeah, Peter kind of goes into that. We'll read verses 9 through 11. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter says if you do not have fruit, if you're not putting on these things, that you're blind and you can't see into the future. If you do not have fruit or you're not a believer, then you're blind and you don't understand what is coming in the future. And verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. And I don't think... Um, it's, he's not saying give diligence to make your calling and election, to make sure you have a calling and election. No, you have a calling. And if you've accepted that calling from God, then you are elected into his family. And, and Peter is saying make that secure by bearing fruit. And if you bear fruit, you will never fall. You will never fall. Think about that. It doesn't mean that we're never going to 
sin again or that we'll never um, you know, do something that we would regret. But if we are a fruitful Christian, Peter says we will never fall. In other words, when the time comes for us to die, we're safe. And he says in verse 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter's confident in this. And abundantly, thinking of the word abundantly, I think of not just barely slipping in. Probably more like Jesus meeting you at the gate and saying, wow, you're here, welcome, here's your mansion, here's, yeah. So give diligence. If you do these things, you will never fall. And when when we go through a time like this with, um, well, with the situation with the Devon, maybe it could stir up feelings like, I hope I'm ready. I hope that when it comes time for me to die that I'm ready. That, you know, I just hope I've done everything. And Peter says, you will never fall. If you have faith in God and you bear fruit, you'll never fall. But for the unbeliever, there are three things here that Peter mentions that you don't believe. Peter says that if, if you do not do these things, you're blind and you can't see afar off. And you would say as an unbeliever that, well, how can you know the future? Nobody knows the future. How can Peter know the future? How can I know the future? Kevin read in his opening from Revelation 21, I think, about the new heaven and the new earth. How do you know that? Number two, you would also say that there's no sin. You would say there's no no, uh, good and evil. And, and you, as an unbeliever, you might look at me and, and disagree with me and say, no, I believe there's things that are true, but you can't. If, if you are really an unbeliever, you can't believe that there are things that are true. And if you follow the logic on that, basically, if there are things that are true, then there has to be somebody who um, rewards the, the sinner and the, the godly person. There has to be a, a punishment for the ungodly. There has to be a rewarder of good. And who gets to set that standard? If it's you, well, what happens when you die? Who becomes the next uh, truth bearer or the truth teller? <clears throat> who gets to say what sin is? And you're basically saying, well, God doesn't get to say. Well, then who does? And now, uh, the third thing, you probably don't believe in an afterlife. And I talked to somebody recently who was not a believer, and he told me basically that he believes a little bit of everything. And so he said, well, he believes that we're reincarnated. So after we die, he thinks that we come back. But to him, it was a theory, and he had no idea, and um, it sounded good to him. It made sense. But he didn't know, and he lived his life as if he didn't know. I mean, we just do what feels good to us now. But the point is, 
you don't believe in an afterlife, or even if you do, you have no idea. It's an idea or a theory. You really have no idea. The only way <clears throat> we as Christians know the future, we know good and evil, and we believe in heaven and hell, is because of what? Exactly. Because of the Bible. This book tells us, right? <clears throat> and let's keep reading. Peter addresses that next. Picking up again in verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. So Peter's really saying, hey, you need to remember this. <clears throat> For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when, he, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I think that would be referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So, this is the part that Peter doesn't want you to forget. And I wonder how this was back then. And Peter's addressing it, so it must have been a struggle. That, do we believe that Scripture is true, that it's inspired Word of God? And it would have been an interesting discussion back then, back when it was still being written. And Peter says that they were eyewitnesses. And I don't know, you've heard the expression that don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Right? Um, one of my, well, Emily was arguing with me this morning because she was sure I said something that I didn't say. I said something about that, um, well, I was making breakfast and I had this little cast iron pan that was sitting there. And I said, that was my favorite pan. And she thought, she was sure I said that I made that pan. And I said, no, I didn't make it. That's what you said. And she argued with me. <clears throat> Well, our, the things that we see can be a little bit like that. Like if you said, hey, I saw a zebra run past the window, I'd be like, okay. And so an eyewitness isn't, like I think it would hold up in a court of law, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, base my truth on somebody's eyewitness. Now it's different, like if it's one thing if Peter says, I was an eyewitness, um, that's different than in other uh, areas of Scripture. I forget, I should have looked it up, but it said that there was up to, after Jesus was raised from the dead, that there was up to 500 people that saw him at one time. Well, there's a difference between 500 and one, right? Like if I saw a zebra run past the window, and I was the only one, you guys would be like, okay, something's wrong with Gary. But if everybody saw it, that would be different. Then we could all say, wow, we, we all saw the zebra, and we'd talk about it, like, what's a zebra doing in out running the wild in Indiana. But it is still not, it is still not, and, and you probably can't get to where you can know something for 100% sure without a shadow of a doubt. In court of law, they use the term beyond a reasonable doubt. 
And so that's, that's what I think how we kind of have to look at Scripture a little bit, that, there's, that it's true beyond a reasonable doubt. Of course, you can come up with doubts. Um, and I would say that's a normal, a normal thing. Um, but beyond a reasonable doubt. And, and he goes on, and so he says that he was an eyewitness and he saw it, but then he goes on to say, well, here's a more solid thing here. <clears throat> and we'll pick up in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, how do you explain, as an unbeliever, how do you explain prophecy and these prophets that have prophesied things that came true? And their, their success rate is 100%. How do you explain that as an unbeliever? And it's not just one prophet. A lot of religions are, you know, grouped around one man's visions or whatever. This was lots of prophets over 4,000 years, and they all agreed and it all came true. How do you explain that? Or how can you reason that away and say, well, there's nothing here? <clears throat> the prophets, I believe... You can bank on, and there's other, there's other um, reasons too. But that's the one that Peter lists here. If men cannot see into the future, then how did they know? Well, somebody must have told them. And if that person knew the future, well, how did that person know what was going to be in the future if he's not in control of it? Because if the future is a wild card and nobody knows what's going to be in the future, how did that person know? <clears throat> And you're on your way to, uh, to belief in God. Peter says to remember that Scripture is true and secure and obey it. In verse 19, it says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. And some people know the truth and choose to reject it. Um, and that's a little bit uh, I think Peter kind of addresses that in, in chapter 2, I believe. So when we study that, we can maybe go into that a little bit. But I would like to, I'd like you to think about it this morning a little bit. Are you blind? Can you see into the future? Do you know what's coming? Do you have a clear view of what sin is? And do you know what you've been purged from? Sin is an awful thing. And we all have sinned. Without the blood of Jesus, we'd all be headed for hell. But thank God that he has made a way. If you don't believe that we were all at one point headed for hell, you are blind and you can't see afar off. Now I want to go back to verse 5 and speak to the believers again. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful 
in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, give all diligence. And this is, this is my struggle. You know, you kind of, you get saved, you make some good decisions, maybe you go on the mission field somewhere and, and have a good experience, or you go um, to Bible school, and you have some time where you really grow and you really, you really change. And then you get married and you have children and you, you know, become Sunday school superintendent or teach Sunday school or whatever. You're involved with the church and things just kind of slow down. And our Christian walk can kind of slow down, and that's not good. Be diligent. <clears throat> Add to your faith virtue. So we build off of this faith. And this faith, if you want to imagine it, it's kind of like a vine or a branch on a tree being tapped into the trunk. Like you have to, you can't build the rest of the, the vine without being connected to the root or without being connected to, the, to Christ. So add to your faith virtue. And virtue means excellence. Um, it actually comes from the word that means manliness or valor. I thought that was interesting. And also means praise. And to virtue, add knowledge. We don't have to, ev- to understand everything at the start of our faith. Our faith can be very simple at the start, but we're supposed to add knowledge. <clears throat> and to knowledge, add temperance, self-control, mastering your desires. And to temperance, add patience, cheerful or hopeful endurance. And to patience, add godliness, holiness, and piety. And to godliness, add brotherly kindness, love for the brothers and sisters in the church. And to brotherly kindness, add charity, add love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you will never fall, and you will have an entrance given to you into the kingdom of God. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. So, for those of you who are believers, take courage. Be encouraged. Be diligent to follow the teachings of Scripture. Um, Remember that Scripture is the inspired Word of God, and it's the only source we have for truth. And be confident in this. um, Be as confident as Peter that if we do these things, we are safe and we're there. And we can live not in fear, but in joy and, and looking forward to that day. Peter is so confident. So for a little, a little bit of homework for you, um, you know, I don't know that these are necessarily in order. I would say just pick one. Pick one of these things that I listed and work on it this week in one small area. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just, you know, pick ones. Uh, maybe you want to pick, uh, I don't know, virtue. So you work on that. Maybe you want to pick patience. So that's your homework. For those of you who are not believers, you must believe. Judgment is coming, and the end of someone living in sin is terrible. So build your life around something that's solid, something that you can know for sure. And I have some homework for you as well, if there's anyone here that's not a believer. I want you to take a blank piece of paper and write down the things on there that you believe. 
Okay, so these are things that you're going to bank on, that this is true and this is what I'm building my life on, okay? And I'd really like to know how long that paper, piece of paper is. You know, sometimes we see, or I've seen it on social media, it's, it's irritating to me because just the way I am, but some people will put on that, uh, you know, it's this meme or whatever, and it's got this, uh, you know, I went through the school of hard knocks, and here's some things I learned in my life. And normally it's this, got a picture in the background of this 150-year-old wrinkled up guy with a pipe hanging out of his mouth. These are things that I learned in my life. And I learned that, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And I learned, you know, uh, you know, to treat your neighbor nicely because, you know, they're your neighbor and you don't want to get your neighbors upset with you and, and whatever. Um, don't post stuff like that. That's like, you'll look like a fool. <laughs> okay, the world looks at that and they're like, I'm not going to believe that. That was, that was somebody that, uh, you know, he was 100 years old and, you know, I don't believe that. That's, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, I believe this. Well, why do you believe that? Well, I saw it on Facebook. A guy was, a really old guy said that. And I, I believe it's true. Like, really, are you going to build your life on something like that? Um, and the Christian's going to look at you and say, well, that's like, Two verses in Proverbs. You spent your whole life learning that? <laughs> what are you building your life on if you're not building it on Scripture? There's a truth that you can believe, and it's been proven true over and over again. Even things today, like Israel being a nation again, like that's incredible. It's in Scripture. You know the corruption that's in this world. The violence, the hate, the immorality, the lying, the rebellion, and you're part of it. And according to Scripture, it's a world headed for hell, and Jesus offers you a way out, a way of escape. Take it. Take it. but you're blind and you can't see into the future. Well, maybe Jesus can help you with that. Maybe he's pulling the the blinders off a little bit and allowing you to see. Maybe he's convicting you a little bit and saying, hey, you need to come to the truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just come before you this morning. So grateful, Lord, that we can be confident in our walk with you and confident that we'll be granted an entrance into your kingdom. Thank you for being a good God and for rewarding both good and evil. Be with us, Lord, as we put on fruit. Um, Help us to be diligent. Help us to, um, yeah, to not get lazy in our, our spiritual journey. And Father, help us to trust your word, um, that it's true, that future judgment is coming. Help us to live our lives according to that. And Father, I guess most importantly this morning, help us to see. For those that are blind this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would convict, that you would open their eyes and help them understand. I pray, Lord, that you would... Just draw the unbelievers into your kingdom. 
Lord, I just pray that you would um, bless the Hoover family today, um, be with the ones that have traveled up there, uh, give them a safe return, and be with each one here as well as we go home this afternoon. In your name I pray, amen.